0: Welcome to all those joining us for the Shir and Chayim O'Haran. We dedicate the learning today, Le'ilu'i Nishmas, Tuvio B'Reb Yisrael Yitzchak, Daniel Ben Gedalia and Rosa Bas Itamar. Also for a complete Refua Shalema for all those that need it, including Chaviva Chana Bas Galia, Idis Bas Miriam Breindel, Shimon Eliezer Ben Rachel, Yusuf Hendel Bas Soreleah bas Chavaliba, Zvulun ben Soreleah, Shiret Voira bas Miriam, Avigail Brocha bas Jonas ben Hilda, Rus Alexandra, Esther Chaya bas Luna Patricia, Eitan Yoel ben Edna, Tov ben Chaya Liza, Shar Yisrael. We're up to a part in Chaimaran where Rav Nosenzal gives us a copy of a letter that was written by Rav Avram Kalisker, who was one of the greatest of the Hasidic leaders in Eretz Yisrael at the time, who wrote to Rabbein Zal? This is after Rabbein Zal had visited Eretz Yisrael and returned. And one of the major issues going on at the time was a conflict among the Hasidic leaders regarding monies that were being transferred, that were being brought from Chutzlaretz, from outside of Eretz Yisrael. To support the community in Eretz Yisrael, which was struggling at the time, and the great Rabbi Avrom writes a letter to Rabbi Nezal. He begins, "Shalom veYesharav leDevesavna Liboi, Peace and great prosperity to the one who is deeply embedded in the chambers of my heart. Horav Hamafursum Kadosh the renowned holy rabbi." Itay Chaakhma veda asave with him is knowledge and, and recognition of Hashem kevoid kedushas shmay moyrainu horav benachme rayoher he writes with tremendous respect to Ravena Zal even though Ravena Zal was much younger than him megeza hakodesh who comes from the <coughs> holy roots nachad habasham teizkhanu vlora a great grandson of the Malshemtoivs Chusa Yigunolaynu Lonetzach, may his merit protect us eternally. Yoyeroler, may his light shine. Hashem Olav Yisra'ch, may Hashem shine upon him, ulechol bnei and all members of his household. Vahanilvim haylav, and all those that are attached to him. Shalom Rav, great greetings. Amen kenyi Ratzlin. And he writes that there's no real news. <coughs> Reg- he writes news for Meretz Royal regarding the arrival of our messenger of this year, who returned the previous month of Shvat, and we rejoiced that we heard from him that Baruch Hashem that you're okay, that you returned home safely, and we saw that the the bond of love between us hasn't hasn't changed in any way. And that with your whole heart you're seeking our good, and and you yourself made the journey to Raisin. Raisin is what's known today as Belarusia. Interesting to note that Belarusia wasn't a big name on the tongues of the Breslava Hasidim throughout generations. And this past years, when when COVID was strong and the Ukrainians would not allow people to enter into the Ukraine, there were thousands of Brest Lvoch Hasidim that were stranded in Belarusia, at the border between Belarusia and Ukraine, hoping that they'd be allowed to enter, and unfortunately, they were not, and many of them showed incredible, incredible Messira Nefesh, staying, sleeping in the streets there, hoping for the door to open for them to be able to get in. Now he writes that after you left us, probably you became aware through our messenger of the previous year, Rebeliezer, and about the compromise that was arrived at with the people of Valin regarding these, these charity contributions. But he writes that unfortunately, we have not received any monies yet at all and we don't know how this is going to how this is going to evolve and we're very perplexed with with worry about this and hoping for Hashem's salvation all the time because we have not really received any salvation from anywhere yet and also from Raisin from Belarusia we don't have any knowledge at all of what 's taken place if anything changed after your trip there, when you went there and told them about all the difficulties, all the struggles that we're having here we're hoping that you'll inform us in detail of what you what you accomplished there. However, you need to know that we are still we still owe the local governor here money and it's extremely difficult they're they're pressuring us all the time with threats and it's only with great miracles that we find a way to get by at least just with our the minimum necessities that we need here and i'm waiting i'm waiting for hashem who's hiding his face now and hoping for his salvation and yet my hope is pure, completely towards Hashem. May Hashem have pity on us and, and give us the ability to rejoice as many days as our suffering. And now he adds that I'm firm in my, my love, a constant love, and your praises are always in my mouth. May Hashem shine His face upon you from the holy place of the Shekhinah and, and Hashem's light should shine over your head eternally and give you strength and he says my, my soul knows very very well the deep eternal love between us and I seek your, your peace and pray for you always and I ask you also to please pray for me always And he signs this, Hakoton the small Avraham, the son of my master, my father, my teacher, Rav Alexander Katz. He was a Kohen. Zechrein of blessed memory. And then he is a small note, my grandson, Rav Yisrael Eliezer, also sends warm regards, heartfelt regards, and his soul also yearns for your prayer. This letter is important in that it expresses the deep love and respect of one of the great giants of the Olam HaChassidus that was known and respected by many and and how he his feelings towards Rav Now Rav Zal begins discussing the a trip that Rav made over a period of about 6 months that he left the city of Breslau where he was living and traveled a great distance, what at that time was considered a great distance. Remember, we're traveling by horse and, and wagons <coughs> to Novorich, Zaslav, Dubna, and Brod. This took place in the year Tovkuf Samarba, 5566, the fourth year that Rabbeinazel had settled in the city of Breslov which is also the fourth year from when Rabnosenazel became his student because it was very almost immediately after Rabbeinazal arrived in Breslau that Rabbeinazal became his student. And it was during that summer that Rabbeinazal's son, Shlomo Ephraim, passed away. And Rabbeinazal said that he had tremendous, tremendous high hopes for this child, and Kalal Yisrael could have benefited tremendously from him. And and it was after shortly after the child passed away, when Rav Zal and Rav Zal came to see the rabbi, he began to speak about Tikkun Haneshomois, about repairing souls, and about the fact that there is a field in which the the vegetation, the grass and the trees and everything there are these souls that are there, and it requires a master of the field to manage this field. And the one who curds his loins to be the master of the field experiences major, major suffering as Rabbein discusses this at length in chapter 65 in Likute Moran. And Rabbein writes that from that time on, Rabbein spoke often about this topic, Tikkun Haneshomis, especially after he returned from Lemberg and when he entered the city of Uman, where he spent the last half year of his life, where Rabbi Nizal made it clear that his whole arrival in Uman and the fact that he chose to pass away there was especially for this purpose, the tikkun of the neshames that required tikkun from hundreds of years prior to that. Because it was there in the city of Uman that thousands, tens of thousands of Jews had been massacred and many children, thousands of children, that died before living a full life. And that year, that year also, the year we just mentioned, is when Rabbi Nezal said, I'm starting to tell stories. And on the Rosh Hashanah, this was during the summertime, on the Rosh Hashanah that followed, the Rosh Hashanah of the year 5,776, Rabbi Nezal gave over the chapter on the Kutimran chapter 60, which is based on the Zohar Kodesh, Posach Rabbi Shimon Vomar. And there, Rabbi Nezal elaborates on the concept of stories, how powerful stories are in awakening people from their spiritual sleep. And he spoke about two different types of stories, recent stories and ancient stories. Sipurim HaMaisis Mishonem and he said that these ancient stories have the ability to spiritually awaken people who have become disconnected from the entire Torah. That Yim Kippur, Rav Nassim Zal writes, there was a major fire in the city of Breslov, which took place when they were saying Kol Nidre in the shul, the night of Yim Kippur, when the chaz- when Khazm began to recite the prayers after the silent Shmon Esrei, which begin with the paragraph Yale, and Rav Zal says, all of us left the shul, ran out of the shul to try to rescue <coughs> our homes and our possessions. And especially Rav house and his possessions. And the whole Yom Kippur night prayer became totally disrupted. It was only after the fire had been put down, had stopped completely, that a small group of people, like a minion and Rabbeinazal gathered back in the shul and completed the prayers. That mitzvah Yom Kippur, after the holiday was over, Rabbeinazal said that that Yom Kippur, he wanted to accomplish something very very important by Hashem. And he had many arguments to, to be able to present his case to Hashem as to why Hashem should grant his request. And he said that if these arguments would have been written down, they would have, they would have formed pages and pages. And Rabbi Nezal said, I organized my arguments very, very well, but unfortunately, as a result of this fire, the whole thing became distracted. <clears throat> and he was not able to accomplish it. I noticed that in the notes of one of the editions, which has some of the things that weren't published, Rabbenazal said he wanted to achieve what, what, what Moshe Rabenu had had experienced when he received the Torah from Hashem in the desert. After Rabbenazal returned from Lemberg, he spoke about this also. And he said we understood that from that time on Yom Kippur, when he wanted to accomplish this, there was a major attack on him in heaven from the satan, from the Sidra and the sickness and the suffering that he was experiencing and, and is still experiencing, Rabbi Nassar says, was because of this. And he said, despite the fact that my intentions are 100% pure, still, unfortunately, this is what Sadiqim experienced. And Rabbein told over a story about the son of the Shepetovka. One of the great Hasidic leaders at that time was Rabbi Yaakov Shamshan from Shepetovka, who's buried together with Rabbe Nachman Horedenka Rabbein grandfather in Tveria They share one large stone. And the son of the Shepetofka was sick and he knew that the reason he was sick was because of a sin he had, regarding the mitzvah of kibodov, respect for his father. And despite that, he understood that he didn't regret what he had done. It seems he had done something that ended up slighting his father, but yet he understood that this was something that had to be done. And Rabbeinu said this regarding himself, that even though he knows that the suffering and this tuberculosis that he's going through are because of this, because he was trying to achieve this very important item, he has no regrets. Rabbein also commented that his student, Rabbi Shmuel Yitzchak, who was the rabbi of the city of Turin, he was the one that informed him that there was going to be a fire, this fire. And in addition, during the time that Rabbein was in Medvedevka, there was also a fire that broke out at that time, and there again his student Reb Shmuel Yitzchak was was with him, and had informed him about this fire, because the wor- the name Shmuel Yitzchak is Bigimatria Sreifa, the word Sreifa, which means a fire. As it's spelled without a yud, as we find in Chomish Devorim, in one place, chapter twenty nine, where it's spelled that way. Rab Nosson now, that that year, I was forced to leave my home in Nemarov, and to travel to Molov, which is where his father-in-law lived, which was a distant, a large distance away. And that year, several of our our friends, Ravinesh's students, Rebbe Vramchev from Petersburg and others, all went through this type of exile, having to relocate. And Rabbi Nizal himself was wandering around that year, the six months that he spent in the trip that we started to discuss to Novritch and Brod. And during that winter, when Rabbi Nizal was in the city of Cherin for Shabashira, which he usually did, and then afterwards in the city of Kremenchuk, at that time his grandson, Rabbi Yisrael, was born to his daughter, Sarah. And Rabbeinazal writes that this grandson was born before Rabbeinazal took off on that main journey to Novritch. However, as soon as he returned from Kremenchuk, where his daughter lived and this grandchild was born, that was when he left for that six-month journey. Prior to the birth of this grandchild, Rabbeinazal spent several weeks in the city of Kremenchuk and waited for his daughter to give birth. And throughout that time, before she gave birth, Rabbi Sal did not smile at all. Not only that, he was also, he would get upset when they presented him with two cooked items in a, in a meal, just like is the custom on Erev of B'Av. ...that we don't eat two cooked items. In other words, Rabbein was in a very serious frame of mind. He was very worried and concerned... ...about his daughter being able to give birth successfully. And he was in tremendous pain... ...throughout that time... ...until she actually gave birth. As soon as she gave birth... ...he was excited, very happy... ...and he asked them to light candles and to prepare a drink that they called punch, which was a combination of wine, honey, and, and water, a sweet drink, and Rabbein was in tremendous simcha. Afterwards, on the eighth day, Rabbein circumcised his grandson properly, and after the bris, he was also very happy the entire day. And Rabbein said that he had tremendous satisfaction in what he was hearing from people, they mentioned to him that this child, his name is Yisroel ben Sora, just like the Baal Shemta's name was Yisroel ben Sora. However, on the third day from the Mila, from the bris Mila, which is a time when many people make a suda, on the Yom la Mila, his daughter, Rabbein daughter became weak and ill and Rabbi Nizar was in tremendous pain, and he left the city of Kremenchuk in a tremendous hurry. And he said he felt as if his life was coming to an end from how much pain he had. The person who was with him at the time, Reb Shmuel from Teplik, who was like an attendant, delayed a little bit, he procrastinated a little bit, and Rabbanazal left him there. Rabbanazal left the city in a tremendous hurry. And Rabb had to rent another carriage, another wagon, and chase after Rabbanazal. After Rabbanazal left Kremenchuk, that was when he started this journey to Novorich. And Rabbanazal writes throughout that winter, I got sick three times in the city of Molov, where he was staying with his father in law. And my wife and children also took ill. And Rabbein Hazal was very, very pained by this. But thanks to Hashem's great kindness and with the prayers, the powerful holy prayers of Rabbein Hazal, I remained alive, Baruch Hashem. Rabbein Hazal writes that regarding all of this, there's a lot to tell because there are a lot of deep secrets in all of this and things that Rabbi Nezan was able to understand based on the things going on in his life, which were the cause which caused him to have to wander around and endure all of this suffering. And all of this was to be able to be engaged in Tikkun Ho'ilamois, repairing the worlds, and neshamois and nefashois of the living, and also neshamois of those who had already passed away, which Rabbi Nezan was especially involved in towards the end of his life. As Rabbi Nezal told us, that what he's doing with us, his living students, is, is small and easy. That's, those are things that we ourselves should really be taken care of. But, but the, the things that Rabbi Nezal has to do in order to repair the souls of those who have passed away, he said there are neshamaiz artiloin, there are naked souls, meaning they don't have clothing, they don't have protection, they don't have what they need to be able to help them get to where they need to get to in the future world. As the Zohar Kodesh speaks about this, and this was the major focus of Rabbein towards the end of his life, Rabbein Hazal writes that even though there's a lot that we didn't hear and, and, even a, and, and what we know about these trips and everything is a drop in the ocean... And even the little bit that we know, we can't necessarily explain. We can only explain a little bit and, and understand the hints in it. Despite that, I did not refrain from writing down whatever I could because it's a tremendous benefit for those who want to come close to Rabbi Nizal when they know what he went through and when they know some of the statements that Rabbi Nizal said as he was going through these struggles... And those who are intelligent, who will study what we're saying here with an honest eye, will understand a little bit the greatness of Hashem, the greatness of the tzaddikim, and how much suffering and struggle the tzaddikim go through in order to repair our souls, so that hopefully through this we'll be inspired to do our part to follow it, to to follow the, there are the path that Rabbeinu prescribed for us, that he taught us throughout his foreign, and will be to do a true tshuva. Any questions, please? A
1: uh, rabbi. Yes. Uh, what is exactly that the rabbi was uh, referring to when he when he said he didn't regret, uh, you know, uh, whatever led him to to have or to uh, endure more serious tuberculosis. I miss that part. What sure. is exactly what
0: you was saying? Sure. Meaning, sometimes a person does something, they undertake something that's dangerous or difficult, and they, they get hurt on the way, and sometimes the person feels afterwards, wow, had I known that this was going to be, I wouldn't have done it. Rabbein was making it perfectly clear that in this case, he had no regrets. It had He had to do this, It had to be this way. And even though to us it seems strange, this topic comes up several times, we've had it before, that why does it have to be this way? We're talking about tzaddikim who love Hashem more than anything else in the world, and Hashem loves them more than anything else in the world, why the suffering? And why the suffering, not, not just when they, do, when they make a mistake, but when they don't make a mistake, when they're trying to do good, pure good, that also comes with suffering? And the answer is, this, we don't understand this completely, and yet we know it's a reality. And Rabbi HaZal was making it clear for us to know that he has no regrets. He doesn't have regrets about this, but, but we need to be aware of how much self-sacrifice there is on the part of the tzaddik so that when we're asked to do something and it's a little bit difficult, we shouldn't, we shouldn't make an issue of it that there's some difficulty involved, we should know that there are others that are trying to help us that are going through things that are hundreds or thousands of times more difficult and if that's what they're doing, then certainly we should try to contribute our part to our tikkun and the tikkun of Klal Yisrael, the tikkun of the world.
1: Oh, I see. Uh, thank you. Also, I didn't understand what happened when 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 his daughter got sick on the third day. I think after the Brit Brit what happened to her? I think I missed that. Did she recover? Or?
0: Yes, she definitely did recover. But it seems that Rabbeinu knew that 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 this that that this was dangerous. This was danger to his daughter. And and it, it pained him tremendously. And he it seems he couldn't take being there. He couldn't take being present and watching this at the time, in a sense. And he felt he had to leave the city immediately. Oh, okay. not, not because he didn't care or anything. Obviously, if there was something that could have been accomplished by his remaining there, I'm sure he would have done it. But it seems that, that again... We see what what tzaddikim endure in this world, different types of suffering, and sometimes a person knows that he has to move away from a place.
1: Well, thank you. I'm just wondering, though, when he's concerned about clothing, uh, uh, naked uh, uh, souls, are we talking about everybody? I mean... Because some people, you know, I mean, it's not very hard to understand why they would be, let's, let's say, unclothed. Um, but is there any, any view on, on who is who here, or it's just a blanket of goodness, so to it,
0: speak? The, the answer is this refers to specific souls that are in this state, in this category that the Zohar Kodesh refers to them as Nishomois Atiloyin. You know, these naked souls that, that, in a sense, they cannot help themselves and they need tzaddikim to, to step in and to try to do what needs to be done to provide for these souls. There's a place in Sichri Saran, in Rabbi Nachman's wisdom, where Rabbi Nezal speaks about something similar to this, where he says that there are souls that are outside of Gan Eden, and they're begging, they're begging for food and clothing. So there are people that try, attempt to give them food and clothing, and they say, no, that's not what we mean. We don't mean physical food or clothing. We mean spiritual clothing, Spiritual food. So again, this is what it's referring to. It's referring to, it could be referring to souls that came down to this world and were not able to complete their mission. When we talk about a person completing their mission, it means preparing themselves completely well for the journey, the long journey to heaven and the long journey in Gan Eden. Just like when a person going on a trip, they have to pack clothing and other things. So here again, these souls that don't have the clothing that they need in order to, to complete their mission.
1: Oh, I see. Thank you very much.
0: I appreciate it. Rav Nassim Zal writes, paragraph 152, that during that year, when Rav started to discuss this topic of Tikkun HaNeshamis, he said that when he was living in Zlatapolia, which was several years before that, he said at that point, I got to know a little bit about this topic. <clears throat> However, now he understood much, much more. And he said that Rabbi Shimon Bar alludes to this a little bit in the Zohar Kodesh, in, in, in Chumash Shmois, page 166, this concept of the field the the field in which all these souls are found, and that there's a master of the field that's responsible to look out for all of these souls. And and Rab'in Azal writes that I understood that the level of understanding that Rab'in Azal had now regarding this topic was a level that no tzaddik had achieved prior to that, a deep and clear understanding of this field. It's interesting to note that there's a, I, I, I have a shir with friends on Thursday nights, a group of friends in New York, and we've been learning Likut Imran for the past couple of years, and just this past Thursday, we completed Chapter 65 in Likut Imran. Paragraph 153. The following year, Tavkuf Samach zayin, before Purim, is when Rabbein left the city of Breslov, and no one understood at all why he was undertaking this trip, this long journey that we mentioned. And he traveled to Novorich, and he wanted to go even further away than that. And he spent Purim in the house of the rabbi of the city, who was a little bit related to Rabbi Nazareth through marriage. And from there, he came back towards Breslov, And he traveled to the city of Ostro, and from there he sent messengers to bring his wife. His wife had stayed behind, to bring his wife to a famous Dr. Gordon who was in the city of Ostro to try to help cure her because she had contracted this disease of tuberculosis. So Rabbeinazal sent. The people that were with him to go bring his wife, and he remained alone. They they hired somebody there to attend to, to attend to Rabbi Nezzar's needs. His wife arrived in the city of Ostra on for Shabbos Hagadol, the Shabbos before Pesach. However, she refused to be treated by this Doctor Gordon. She didn't want him to treat her. This Doctor Gordon was a student of the Mizritcha Magid but she wanted to travel to the city of Zaslav, to the doctors there. And sure enough, immediately after Shabbos, on Sunday, Rabbeinazal traveled with her, which was four days before Pesach. And Shmuel Miteplik also accompanied them. They arrived in Zaslav right before the holiday. And again, you could imagine, we're talking about traveling by horse and buggy through Ukraine at the time. The difficulties Rab Zal says are indescribable, and there's a lot to tell about this. And Rabbeinu Zal stayed there in Zaslav till after the holiday of Shavuos, which means approximately two months. On erev Shavuos is when Rabbenazal's Zal's wife passed away, and we're gonna we're gonna see later. Rabbenazal Zal had sent letters to his students that no one should come, no one should come to him for Shavuos. And Rab Nassim Zal at this time is in the city of Molav, as we mentioned, by his father-in-law. And Rab Nassim Zal writes he had many reasons not to go to Rabbeinu Zal for Shavuos. His father-in-law had been traveling and he was expected to come home for the holiday of Shavuos, and it would have been taken as a tremendous insult. The whole city was waiting for his father-in-law to come, and if Rab Nassim Zal would leave... It would be taken by some as a tremendous insult, and he didn't have money for the tr- all kinds of things. And Rabbein Hazal wrote a letter to the students, nobody should come. Rab Naftali Zal, who was one of Rabbein Zal's closest friends, and one of the closest students of Rabbein Hazal, wrote a letter to everyone, saying all of us should make sure to be there for Shavuos, to be in Zasla for Shavuos. And Rabbein Zal writes here, that we all gathered to Rabbein Ezzel for Shavuos, and Hashem had pity on us, and we were to hear a wondrous, wondrous shear that's documented in chapter 67 in the first half of Likud Imran that Rabbein Ezzel gave that holiday of Shavuos. Rab Nassim Zal writes that I heard from people that had heard from Rabbein Ezal that when he undertook this journey he quoted, he mentioned a statement that Dover HaMelech made. When Dover HaMelech said, Tashem, this, this the Gemara mentions in Brachas, page 4, Dover HaMelech said, all the other kings sleep late. They get up in the morning like luxurious kings. But I, my hands are soiled with blood and afterbirth of women in order to purify a woman to her husband implying that Dov Melch was saying that his work was involved in, in the Tikkun of the Shekhinah, repairing the Shekhinah, bringing about the unification between Hashem and the Shekhinah, and, and trying to bring about the unity in Klav Israel. And Rabbi Nizal said this same statement about himself, that this is what I'm involved in. Paragraph 155, again, shortly before this trip, Rabbein Hazal made a remark. He said that I'm like a kid, a child, who doesn't want to go to cheder, doesn't want to go to school. But afterwards, when he goes to cheder, he can learn real well. And he said if people would know the, the purpose of my trip, they would be kissing every footstep. With each and every step that I take on the trip, I'm pushing the world towards the side of merit. And this is where Rav Nasnazal presents a very famous statement that many people have heard by Rabbi Zal, which interestingly, years ago, when I visited the offices of the Jewish agency in New York and Manhattan, I saw there was a gigantic, gigantic plaque on the wall in the lobby when you go in there, and there they have this quote from Rabbi Rabbi Nezal said my place is only in Eretz Yisroel. Wherever I travel I'm traveling only to Eretz Yisroel. Right now I'm a shepherd here in Breslov. Implying his incredible deep love and focus on Eretz Yisroel. I remember my Rebbe, Rav Rosenfeld who who also had an incredible incredible love for Eretz Yisroel very often when he was in Eretz Yisroel and there would be people coming to visit from America from other places and they were going back home he would say to them he would wish them have a safe good trip back to Eretz Yisrael. You're not a Jew is not going to America or going to Canada or going to Europe a Jew is going to Eretz Yisroel You're going via New York, via Canada, whatever it is. You'll be there for six days or six months or six years. It doesn't matter. But if if he asks you where you're going, I'm going to Terez Yisroel. That's the direction, that's our focus. Shortly before Rabbein Azal started this trip, he smacked his hands with joy and he said, today I'm starting something new. And he said we are like a person who's singing and everyone around them is dancing, but a person who doesn't hear the song and doesn't understand what's going on, to them it looks silly. What are they all dancing about? What are they running after him for? He said, so too, to the world it seems strange to them. Why are you running after me? Referring to his students. But he said, when I return from this trip... I'll, I'll be able to sing and you'll be able to dance. And afterwards, he traveled to these cities we mentioned, Navarich, Zaslav, Ostra, Dubna, Brod, and other cities. And he was dressed, he was dressed up to conceal himself. He didn't dress like a rabbi at all. No one had any idea who he was. And he visited the homes of all the wealthy people in Brod. Brod is a famous city of great rabbis and also many wealthy Jews. And Rabbein Asal had dealings with every one of them. Interestingly, when he was about to enter the city of Brod, all the people came out to greet him, not knowing that that's what they were coming for. It seems, that there was some other reason why they were going out of the city at the time, and it just worked out that as his wagon was going into the city, the whole city is coming towards him. And Rabbi Nizal said, I heard their screams of their tithe voice, and they were screaming, money, money, money. That's what they were screaming about, referring to the, the wealthy people there one more interesting point regarding the holiday of Shavuos, the custom, the Halacha is that usually on Shabbos, on a holiday, the way that we show respect for Shabbos and the holiday is by eating meat, fleshiks, poultry or actual meat. There are different opinions in Halacha. <clears throat> there's, there's no such thing as, as a dairy meal on a holiday, on a Jewish holiday, except for Shavuos. On the holiday of Shavuos, outside of Eretz Yisrael, where there's two days of Shavuos, the morning meal on that first day of Shavuos is a dairy meal. On the second day of Shavuos, it's a regular yontif meat meal, and the evening meals are meat meals. So, in the morning meal, after having been up all night, when they were serving the meal to Rabbi Nezal, Rabbi Nezal was sitting at the meal and studying. We know that during the night of Shavuos, the custom among many Hasidim and many people is to recite Tikun Le'el Shavuos, which, which has the beginning and end of every portion in the written Torah, the, the Tanach, and also the beginning and end of every Gemara in Shas, and it also has the Sefer Yetzirah, it has the idra zuta from the zoyar kodesh, a certain special portion of the zoyar kodesh. So, on the morning of Shavuos, Rabbeinu at the meal, in between courses, Rabbein Saul was studying the zoyar kodesh, this portion, the idra, in between courses. So he would eat a course, finish, and then he would turn to the learning. Then they'd bring another course. He'd put aside the learning, eat the other course, and then go back to the learning, and this this happened several times. So Rabbein Hazal, when the meal was over, he commented and he said, it seems that they're having a debate with me. I thought every time that after I finished the course that they're not going to bring anything else. <clears throat> and each time they're bringing another course and another course. He said, I wanted to finish the meal with learning, with the study of Torah they're trying to make me into a greater person who completes the meal with eating. And Rabbeinus, I'll explain, there are ordinary people who eat in order they should have the strength and the ability to study Torah. There are people who are on a higher level where they study Torah in order to be able to know how to eat, meaning how through their eating, to be able to accomplish incredible, high-level things. The Gemara says that during the time of the Beis Samikdash, if a Jew committed a sin, they had the Mizbeach, they had the Mizbeach to bring korboni sacrifices that would atone for the sins. Nowadays, we don't have a Beis Hamikdash, we don't have a Mizbeach. The table of a person serves as a Mizbeach, that if a person eats Bikdusha with holiness their eating can, can achieve what the Korbonis and the Beis HaMikdash achieve. So Rabbi Nezal said, I wanted to end the meal with learning. They're, they're, they're treating me like, like a, a holy person who learns in order to be able to know how to eat. Interesting, on this topic, I, I heard a story, I believe I heard it from my Rabbi Reb Michal, the other one of my rabbis, I believe it was told about the first Karlina Rebbe that one of, his, one of his students, one of his followers, who was a wealthy person, decided once that he wants to have a meal with the Rebbe. And he, he asked the Rebbe for this, and the Rebbe tried putting him off, putting him off, but wealthy people sometimes have chutzpah, he wouldn't relent, and he insisted. And the Rebbe, at one point, invited him for breakfast and they had breakfast together, and was speaking during the meal, etc., and at the end of the meal, this person who obviously had, uh, again, a little bit of chutzpah, he said to the Karlina Rebbe, you know, I thought that our, our eating would be something very different, but I see that Baruch Hashem, our eating is pretty similar. So the Rebbe smiled, and he said, you're right, you're right. One difference, <coughs> that when you're eating, you make a bracha in order that you should be able to eat. When I eat, I eat, My the purpose of my eating is so that I should be able to make brachas. I should be able to say brachas. And it's known about one of the outstanding leaders of Breslov in the previous generation, Rebbe Vrom, Nachman, the son of Rebbe Nachman Tulchin, that he stressed to his students the importance of paschachris, eating bread in the morning, which the Gemara speaks about, it's mentioned in the Shulchan Aruch, that after davening in the morning, before going to the Beis Medrash, a person should try to eat paschachris. And when Rabbi Rambad Abner spoke about this, he said one of the incredible benefits of this is that a person gets to make six brachas when a person eats bread. The washing for bread, al and then the the four of the Imagine where, when else do you have an opportunity to say six major brachos like this? Any questions, please?
1: Uh, Rabbi, uh, I don't understand why is it that the people came out uh, shouting money, money, money. What do they mean by that? Uh, the, they referred to the rich people, but why would they express themselves that way? R-
0: Rabbi Nezal didn't mean that they were actually shouting. He meant that he heard, he was able to hear what, what's exciting to them in their lives, what their focus is in their lives, that all of their noise was about this topic, was about money. That's what he meant. Not that they were actually shouting that.
1: Can I ask a question?
0: Sure.
1: Was there a visible difference um, from the time before Rabbi Nachman's trip to when he came back to his Hasidim? Or it was only something internal that the Rabbi himself felt, but, we, but the outside didn't see it or feel it?
0: I don't recall hearing of any physical difference, but, but Rabbi Nassau made it clear that he was a completely different person to the extent that he said he was ashamed and embarrassed of of his knowledge and the Torah that he had spoken before Eretz Yisroel compared to after Eretz Yisroel. Rabbi al- rem- makes a remark about this that we know that before Rabbi Nizal made the trip to Eretz Yisroel he taught things that were incredible, very, very certain things which he said one person in a generation is aware of this information. So imagine imagine how, how what kind of levels he attained upon arriving in Eretz Yisrael, you know, and after the trip to Eretz Yisrael. During the time that Rabbein HaZal was in the city of Zaslav, he became very ill also, and he wrote a letter to his students, pleading with them to daven for him. And afterwards, Baruch Hashem, he got better. And then he wrote another letter, a second letter to his students, pleading with them that all the efforts that I made on your behalf, everything I did to try to help you, to get you out of the the throes of the satan, the Yitzhahara, don't let it go to vain, meaning make, make sure you stay religious and try to grow in your Yiddishkeit. <clears throat> and we're going to see, in the next year, I hope, we'll take up these letters. And when Rabbi Asal came back to after a while later, he told his students that they had succeeded with their tefillahs, with their prayers, in helping him become cured, become healed completely in Zaslav from that illness. Paragraph 160. After his wife passed away in Zaslav, a a few months later, a shidduch was made with a woman from the city of Brod. And then when Rabbeinazal returned to the city of Breslov, that's when he told one of the stories, one of the outstanding stories in Sipurysias, the story of the spider and the fly, where that story begins telling about a king <clears throat> who was being attacked very severely, and there was a page of a book that saved him that protected him. And before Abenal started telling that story, he said, "Let me tell you about my trip." implying that this story was going to be an explanation of the trip. But Rav Zal says, unfortunately, the end of that story is missing. Rav didn't complete the story about a beautiful woman from whom came forth children, etc. Rav Zal writes that it was when Rav returned from that trip that he contracted the tuberculosis. And then he warned us to make sure, to daven for him a lot, to really pray for him. Rabbi Nezahel understood that this was very, very serious. But unfortunately, Rabbi Nezahel writes, due to our sins, the, the opposing forces won. And Rabbi Nizal passed away three years afterwards from when he contracted this illness. And Rabbi Nizal said even those three years, he was living on miracles, and, and Rav says there's a lot to tell about this besides the things we don't know about. As soon as he, this sickness began, as soon as he started coughing from this illness, it's a lung disease, Rabbi Nassar knew that this is going to lead to his passing away, even though, remember, he was a young man, he was 35 years old at the time. And he immediately began to talk about his passing away even though Baruch Hashem, Hashem, with his infinite kindness, allowed him to live for more than three years after that. However, as soon as he got home from that trip, he began speaking about his passing away, and he told us that he's very, very afraid, and then he said he needs 60 powerful warriors like the Baal Shemtev had. And he spoke a great deal about this. Rav Zal says, I didn't hear this from him. I wasn't because I wasn't around during those times. I'm very sorry we're having some difficulty with the internet somehow. The the sultan doesn't like this sheer for some reason. We'll just close with one small item. Rav Zal writes that Rav once cried on Shabbos. And Rav Zal was with him at the time. And this was around the time that he had told the story that we mentioned earlier about the spider and the fly. I believe it's the seventh story in Sipurim e about a king who had many battles. And shortly afterwards, Rabbi traveled to the city of Cherin for Shabbos Nachmo, as was his norm. And on the way, he passed through the city of Ladijin where he spoke to his students that were there and he told them that it's clear that he's going to be, he's going to pass away from this illness. And he also mentioned there these 60 powerful men that he needs, and that the Baal Shem Tov had Shishim Giborim, these 60 powerful ones. Rabbein Sal commented that among his students, they would definitely emerge, these, these 60, but right now they're still young, and the, the, the battle is, is strong. Very, the battle against them is very powerful. And Rabbein said, I don't have whom to, to lean on. I don't have who to rely on. Rabbein Hazal writes, I heard that Rabbein had also said that even if he had these 60 giboyrim, it would not have been enough to help him come out of this illness. And he mentioned the fact that he wanted to travel to Eretz Yisroel again, to make another trip to Eretz Yisroel, to pass away over there. But he's afraid that he might not arrive in Eretz Yisroel, and even if he would, even if he would pass away there, he felt that people would not have any dealings with his grave, they wouldn't visit his grave. He said, nobody will come. However, if he'll be buried in Ukraine, people will definitely come there to study and to pray and it will have tremendous, tremendous pleasure from this. It's interesting that we're saying these words now in in the beginning of July 2022, the beginning of Tammuz, when the Ukrainian ambassador has made a declaration that the Ukraine will not be able to allow visitors to Uman for Rosh Hashanah, for the coming Rosh Hashanah. We hope that Rabbi Nizal's words, that Rabbi Nizal said he's being buried there because he wants people to come and daven there and learn there. We hope that whatever needs to happen to allow those that would want to go to be able to go in safety to Ukraine, to be there for Rosh Hashanah, unless Moshiach comes first and everything takes place here in Eretz Yisrael. We should be to see the Geulah the final and complete redemption for all of Amen Yisrael. This coming Sunday, next week, will be Shiva Surbitamos, the fast day. We will not have a shi- this Shir on that day. And the following Sunday, I attend I intend to be in the United States. And I hope we will be broadcasting the Shir from there. Wishing everybody a good week. Kotov.